right, go ahead and pull out your Bibles. Amen. Happy Mother's Day, mamas. Anybody thankful for your mom? Awesome. A lot of honor going around. I got to honor my wife. She's the best mom in the whole world. You're amazing. And my mom's here, and she's the best mom in the whole world. And my mother-in-law is here, and she's also the best mom in the whole world. And uh, I'm a blessed man for all of those reasons. So encouraged. Um, Ladies, just so you know, make sure I don't forget this afterwards. We want to celebrate all of you today. And so there's some sweet tea for you in the lobby afterwards. Uh, Guys and kids, not for you. It's for the ladies. If you stick around long enough and there's extra, then you can have some. But ladies, we want to make sure we celebrate you today. And uh, we've got some sweet tea. What better way than sweet tea? If you ask my wife, she would say there is no better way. Open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. It's at the very beginning, so you're going to be all right, even if you're new to the Bible. There's a Bible underneath the seat in front of you. If you didn't bring one today or if you need one for yourself, you can keep it, take it with you, do whatever you want with it, preferably read it, and then obey it, and then see what happens. I'm telling you, it's wild. Genesis 1, if you're there, say, I'm there. Way to go, team. Hey. I was singing so loud, my throat's tired. I was just thankful for God today. Anybody? (laughs) Encourage. Oh, my goodness. Should I throw it with a little bit left in it? (laughs) Didn't know what to do with my hands, you know. Genesis chapter 1. We are doing a second part of a series that we started last week. It's going to be kind of a series of talks as we spend our time together over these handful of Sundays that we titled Cultural Architects. Cultural Architects. And uh, we're taking these handful of weeks to talk about some different cultural conversations that are happening in the world that we live in today. You're probably engaged in conversations about the various things that we're going to talk about at various levels in different circles of your life with different people in your life. And we're talking about these conversations because as Jesus followers, uh, we don't just want to engage the conversations that are happening in the world around us. We don't just want to engage the questions um, that are happening in the world around us, but we want to live out the leadership of Jesus in our own lives so that as we live out Jesus's leadership in our lives, we can construct the culture of his kingdom. We want to construct the culture of his kingdom because Jesus said, Why don't, I want you to pray and therefore I want you to live so that God's kingdom could come on earth as it is in heaven. We're not called to pull away from culture, ignore culture, complain about culture. God, as followers of him, wants us to construct the culture that he has always had in mind because that's best for everybody. And too often we can take the easy way out of the conflicts that we find ourselves in between what God has called us to do, who God has called us to be, and what some people in our world or the culture that we live in wants us to be and wants us to do. And that is a conflict, and that is hard, but it's too easy to take the easy road out of becoming a clone and just looking like what everybody wants us or me to be, or or being recluses, which, like we said last week, the definition is just not wanting social contact, you know, like church. We've had that reputation at times. It's just nobody talked to me, nobody touched me who disagrees with me, right? We could be recluses, or or, or we can just whine, and uh, that's not fun, and nobody likes a whiner right? God has called us to be architects, uh, not to remove ourselves or just engage in the judgment of the culture we live in, but to build the culture that he designed according to his blueprints. We're cultural architects as Jesus followers. Anybody excited about this? I'm excited. 
I feel like there's a little bit of nerves in the room, like what's the thing gonna be today? <laughs> and, uh, but we're gonna have a great time. And we started last week with engaging the, this whole conversation by talking about sin and the reality that humanity in general and every one of us as humans individually, uh, we, have, we have sin. We have deviated from the design of God in our lives for us. And we talked about that if we wanna be cultural architects, we have to start with the right foundation, just like when you build anything. You have to have the right foundation, which is to recognize at the most basic level, we are not in charge. We didn't create all of this, and this isn't therefore about us. We are submitted to God, but we have separated ourselves from him with our sin. But he, by his grace, has provided the opportunity to be born again, to be adopted into his kingdom as his very children, so that we can live the lives that he created us for and participate in his purposes and his plans. I don't know if anybody told you this yet, but that's good news. That's why we call it good news, because it's good news. <laughs> and I'm so excited that Mother's Day fell during a Sunday during this series, because I think that it is the best day possible to talk about some of the cultural conversations happening right now like around, I don't know how else to say it, but like around women. There's just all these cultural conversations around men and women, around man and woman, around male and female. Lots of conversations, lots of questions, a lot of different questions being asked, conversations being had with a lot of different angles to each and every conversation, each and every question there's a lot going on, but, but to the best of my ability, as I've considered this conversation that's happening in our culture right now, I've tried to focus on how we can construct this conversation as architects, how we can construct this conversation about male and female on top of the strongest foundation possible. Like, let's just start at the foundation, which Jesus said is the word of God. He said, if you'll do my word, the storms may come, the rain may fall, but your house will not fall. We're gonna build on the, the word of God. And, and in, my, in my opinion, you know, like I said last week, as we talk about all these things, I'm not gonna say everything perfectly or summarize everything completely. We're just gonna do the best we can with the time we have and the space that we have, right? We're gonna move the ball forward. So, so in, my, in my opinion, as best as I can, there, there's a few foundational questions that are being asked explicitly or sort of underlying all the other conversations or questions that are being asked in regards to male, female, and all of this. And those questions are, I guess I've got three. Is, is there a difference between male and female? Is there a difference? And uh, the second one, the second question really follows alongside that, which is like, if there is a difference, why does it matter? What's the big deal? And then the third question is, is slightly different than the first two, uh, but I still believe it's just as foundational. And it's possible um, it's, it's foundational, and, and at times I think it's being asked, like I said, explicitly, sometimes implicitly, but the third question is simply, what does God think about women? What does God think about women? And today, I wanna use the celebration of mom as the springboard to celebrate woman. So that's why we're here today, and that's what I've titled this message, Celebrating Woman. Yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. Just to be clear on the front end as we dive into this, our conversation today has nothing to do with roles in life or jobs or positions of authority or career paths or anything like that. 
Uh, there are conversations about those things that, that can happen and, and need to happen in different circles for lots of different reasons. But those conversations are more like walls. And the conversation we're going to have today is more about the foundation. And it's hard to build the walls right when the foundation is messed up. So we're going to start with the foundation. Does that, does that make sense enough for us to keep moving forward? So last week, we started in the very beginning of the Bible as we talked about sin and the reality of it. And I think that uh, we're going to continue with that theme, that the beginning is a very, very good place to start as we have this whole conversation. So that's why I had you turn to Genesis 1. Uh, if, you're gonna, if you could just look at verse 26 through 28, this is the story of creation. God is creating everything out of nothing. He is uh, he's doing it in, in six days. The first five days have happened by the time verse 26 comes along. And then we're on day six, the final day of creation. And this is the first mention of humanity in the Bible, the first mention of humanity in all of time as a thought of God. And here we are on day six, and God says this in his word, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. There's a really important word that is used a handful of times in those different verses in slightly different ways and that word is them. Verse 26, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Verse 27 in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God, in verse 28, blessed them. And God said to them. God continues to say them. The purpose of creation, I want to just say as a very foundational point, was never to make male or female. It was never to make either or. It was, there was no primary and secondary. It was always they. It was always them. God's plan for creating humanity was always male and female. And God's purpose for humanity was never to establish which one of those two was more important or more able or more loved or more wanted. The purpose of God right here from the very beginning has always been that both male and female would accomplish together the mission of God for the glory of God. That's why humanity was made, male and female. And when God wanted to create humanity in his image, in his likeness, he did so by creating male and female. When God wanted to bless humanity, he blessed them, male and female. He said to them. He told them the same thing at the same time. He told them what he created them for and what they were to do together right from the beginning. See, there's this radical truth about the kingdom of God. And I almost don't want to say it because it doesn't sound radical at all. It doesn't sound radical at all to say it. And in church, somebody standing on a podium preaching from a pulpit with a microphone on Sunday, I'm not the only one who's saying it. But it's not radical because you can say it. It's radical when you live it. It's really radical when you live it. It's super easy to say, and that is this. Male and female are not the same. 
but they are of the same value. Doesn't sound crazy at all, but you live that out. Male and female are different, and it, and, and it does matter. It matters because in our differences, we more completely reflect the image and the likeness of God to one another and to all of the rest of creation. And together, we can more completely and fully participate in and accomplish God's purposes that he has blessed us to collectively participate in with him. This is a scary and a, and a sensitive subject for anybody involved in our culture, for, even for some of the things I've already said already. It, it hits on some things. And the reason that it's sensitive, the reason that it's scary, even though it doesn't sound really radical, but the reason that it's scary is because generally speaking in our culture and then also specifically speaking in regards to this conversation of male and female, humanity has deviated from the design of God. We have sinned. We have deviated from the design of God, which the design of God is to celebrate and honor each other in our differences, and instead we have sinned and deviated from the design of God by using differences as opportunities to leverage things against each other. The normal practice of humanity, the normal practice of our culture is to turn a difference into a difference of value which leads to so much of the pain and the oppression and the suppression that we all hate so much in, in so many different directions. But in God's kingdom, being different from someone has nothing to do with having different value than someone. You and I are different. Neither one of us has more value. And our differences are not reasons for why one of us is better than the other. Our differences are reasons why each one of us needs the other. Our differences are reasons to celebrate each other, our reasons to honor each other, our reasons to empower each other because I need you because we're different. The fact that our culture has deviated from God's design of celebrating and honoring each other in our differences is not a reason to ignore the fact that we are different. It's a reason to be architects of a new culture that returns us back to the original design of celebrating and honoring each other in our differences. We're celebrating Mother's Day because y'all are different. You're not like dad. Dad's great. Dad's needed. It's not a statement about dad. It's just a celebration of you because you're unique and we need mom. The unique things about mom are what make us need mom so bad. It's why we love mom so much. Let's celebrate and honor Jesus from the very beginning. It says that all creation was made through Jesus. It's like, I know it's Old Testament, but, but everything was made through him. From the beginning, it was never one or the other. 
It was always both. The plan of God was always for us, men and women, to be together, helping each other out. Neither one of us better than the other, both of us carrying things about God that maybe the other doesn't have, not completely. You and I aren't completely different. We have hearts that beat. We have blood that pumps. We have bodies that work in different ways. We have eyes that see and ears that hear. We have so many things in common, but there's also some things that we have that are different. It's not aliens versus another kind of alien. We're not like that. Just saying, God from the beginning in his passion and in his purpose to display himself to all of creation made both because both were needed. In Genesis chapter two, uh, the, the word of God expands on what happened in Genesis 1, 26 through 28 when God created humanity. Uh, this isn't, we're not reading this chronologically in the sense that everything that happened in Genesis 1 happened and then what happens in Genesis 2 happened. So like Genesis 2 isn't day eight. You know what I'm saying? Genesis 2 is an explanation of what happened back on day six. You know what I'm saying? That was really helpful for me to think about. I don't know, maybe you guys got that easily and you're like, well, duh. But, but it was a big deal for me to, to realize that, 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 that these aren't like separate events. And so, so Genesis 2 is just giving more of the story of what's summarized in Genesis chapter 1, specifically 26 through 28. So uh, we're going to look at Genesis 2 verse 7 as we dig into this and continue to build our foundation. This morning, verse 7, God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And then verses 8 through 14 talks about rivers and no rain and a garden and all kinds of things, but then we're gonna work our way through, starting at verse 15, through pretty much the end of chapter two over the rest of our time together. In verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. I will make him a helper fit for him. That's the verse where things get complicated, where we've made things complicated. And verse 18 is a really important verse. We're gonna kinda go through it like, we're going to class today, so I hope you brought some notes in your brain. We're gonna go to class on verse 18, and then it'll kinda summarize the rest of the chapter as we go through it. You guys ready? Can we go to class today? Because there's some contextual things that we've got to understand so that we don't miss some really important things that are going on. So then the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So remember, this is an expansion of what happened on day six. This is not a verse that's describing an amendment on day eight. God is not amending creation on day eight. This is an explanation of what always happened on day six. We can read this like God created man on day six and said it was really good. Then he put him in the garden and God said, oh shoot. Chapter two, God had his oh shoot moment. And he was like, oh, this isn't as good as I thought. Uh, this isn't as good as I thought. And so uh, I need to come up with something for this guy. What should I do? Oh, I'll make an assistant for him. Don't forget Genesis one. God's thought of creating humanity was always they, okay? 
Always they, let them have dominion. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, God sent them. The plan was they. Female was not an afterthought or an amendment to creation. Female was always part of the blueprint. And when it says, I will make him a helper for him, it doesn't mean that God thought, I'm gonna make man an employee or an assistant. Okay, here's where we stick together. Cool? We're going Hebrew and all kinds of stuff which I'm gonna do the best of my ability because we'll do it. First thing we need to dig into is this phrase, it is not good for man to be alone, to be alone. The, the Hebrew word for to be, to be alone is actually pronounced bad. Like literally, it's just, God's like bad. <laughs> that is bad. And when he said it's not good for man to be alone, he's not just talking about, the, the word doesn't mean just he's alone in the sense that no one else is around. It's a word that means that something is separated from the rest of its parts. It's not just like lonely, it's, it's not complete. Something, so it's used in the same context of talking about like a limb that has fallen off of a tree or a limb that has been separated from a human body is not good because it's not connected to the whole. It's not just alone. So when God saw the man alone, he wasn't just somebody who needed a friend. Man, man didn't just need a friend. He was a single part that was separate from the whole. And this isn't, keep tracking, this isn't because God hadn't thought through all of this. He just hadn't finished yet. How many of you know there's a difference between not thinking about it and just not being done yet? That's big. There was still more. The day's not over. The blueprint isn't finished. So the second part of the sentence, I will make him a helper fit for him. It's not good for him to be alone. Basically, God's in the middle of creating things. He's done with man. He hasn't gotten a woman yet, and he makes the observation, you know what, God? You know what, self? You know what, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? We were right. We've only done the first half so far, and we need the second half. That was a good idea. Let's finish that. So the second part of the sentence, I will make a helper fit for him. This is where things get a little complicated. Like I said, this phrase has often been used to build a framework within which women are secondary to men and that their primary role as women is to assist men as men try to get things done. First of all, that's not what it's saying. We'll just settle that right now. That's not what it's saying and that's what we're gonna talk about. So just... It's not what it's saying. Second of all, I think that it's also worth saying before we dig into that, that that being a helper in any given context does not automatically infer being secondary or weak in any way whatsoever. Like, can we just talk about help for a second? You know, like if you've ever like needed help and said, help, it's because you needed something you didn't have. You, You needed somebody to do what you couldn't do. You didn't need somebody weak or secondary, you needed somebody with some power you didn't have, with some authority you didn't have, with some ability that you didn't have to come and do what you couldn't get done. So there's just that. That's kind of way bigger picture in life. Like if you're helping somebody, you're strong. And I appreciate that. And for everybody who's ever helped me, shout out. So I'm thankful for help. Too often, this whole idea is communicated more in the sense of, oh, Woman, you're just a little helper. So we're gonna dig in. 
More Hebrew. Here we go. I will make. We're going to go through this phrase. I will make is a Hebrew word, asa, or something like that. That's what it looks like, it sounds like. And it means I will make, I will work, I will produce. God's saying, I'm going to accomplish, I will act on, I will deal with, I will address, I will move. I will make, I will move. God sees that his creation isn't complete yet. He hasn't done everything yet on the blueprint. And as such, he realizes, yes, there is an obvious gap. I do need to finish the plan. And God's response when he sees the need, the first need of creation, God says, I'm gonna act on this need. I will, I will finish the work that I have begun. I will do what only I can do. I will act. I will make. God says, I will make. And then he says, I will make a helper. And that word is azer. And it's interesting to me that uh, this word azer is, is actually categorized like as a masculine noun, like not a, not a feminine noun, which I think is interesting. It's used 21 times in the Old Testament and it's used two times here in Genesis 2. So the other 19 times are all instances of God declaring his personal help for his people. So it's a word that God uses about himself. Some, there was a guy named Eleazar at one point and his name means God helps his people. So this word isn't just a word for an assistant. This word implies the move of God. God is on the move. God is acting. God helps his people. God is stepping in. It's not just help. It's the help of God specifically for his people. Like if you read through Psalms, David, he's crying out to God all the time. Whenever he's crying out, help me, God. That's the word he's using. I need God's help. So God said, I will make, I will move myself. I will, I will put my help into this situation. And then, and then the word we've translated into the part of the end of the sentence for him. So I will make, I will move my help. He says for him. And this Hebrew word is, I think, neged. And this isn't a word of possession, that it's like for this man. It's, it's not, not for in the sense of belonging. It's in the sense of what God was it's not in the sense of what God was creating belonging to the man. It, it means counterpart, or it means sometimes it's translated in other translations suitable or, or a correspondent to. It means to be parallel to be, or to be right in front of. It means to be conspicuous in view. It means to be obvious. So what I'm trying to say is that this sentence, what it's carrying is God puts the man in the garden and he observes. It's not good for one part of humanity to be separate from the whole part of humanity that is my original plan. Again, it's not because he hadn't thought it through yet. He just wasn't done yet. So God says, I'm gonna finish the job. So I see the need for the whole picture. So we see the need for the whole picture. I see the need for the whole picture. So I, God says, will step in and I will finish the job that only I can finish and I will satisfy the need that is present and that is a specific need for this whole picture, this specific whole picture to be completed and when I'm done, it's gonna be so obvious that I have provided. I'm gonna put it right in front of their faces. I'm gonna move and they're not gonna miss it. 
I'm going to do what only I can do, and they will see and they will know that I have done what only I can do. God is saying in verse 2 or chapter 2, 18, there's a need on the planet, and I'm going to move, and I'm going to provide, and nobody's going to be able to mistake that it was I who did what only I could do. But then, before he does it, interestingly, verses 19 through 20 happen. So that's 18. And then the next thing that happens is, interesting is, now out of the ground, the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever man called every living creature, that was his name. It seems like God got distracted here. Like, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make woman, but oh, look at all the animals. What a great zoo I've created. Adam, let's go for a walk. That's what it kind of feels like. But then he says, then man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper for him. There was not found a helper for him. So God seems to get distracted, brings the animals before Adam. Adam names them, and then it finishes kind of with this similar phrase, but there was not found a helper for him, which does not mean he got busy and he wished he had an assistant. <laughs> Doesn't mean he needed help doing his job. It means, and it starts to tie in here, because God, in verse 18, sees the need for woman, verses 19 and 20, he's revealing and making sure all the rest of creation feels the same need. So he says, in his wisdom, he steps back and sees it before all of this. God ever seen anything before you saw it? And he says, yep, I'm right. I need to finish this. I know the plan. I know I'm not done yet, but I'm gonna make sure everybody else knows I'm not done yet too. So I'm gonna move. I'm gonna provide, I'm gonna fulfill the need that is fulfilled. It's gonna be obvious, no one's gonna be able to miss it. And right before I do it, I'm gonna make sure everybody feels the need that I am about to provide for. So Adam, I know that you're apart from the whole. I know I haven't finished humanity yet, but just to make sure you know, I'm gonna bring every other part of creation right in front of your face. Every animal, everything, he just brings it all. And Adam's naming them, and he's calling them, and all this kind of stuff, and he gets to the end of creation, and Adam feels there's no other part. I'm still alone. And all of creation realizes there's some other part of humanity that nothing else can provide. There's a gap here, and nothing else can fill it. Nothing that has been made can be what is needed right now. And God says, yeah, I know. That's why I brought all the animals in front of you because I knew that. Now I wanna make sure y'all know that. Verse 21, so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept, God took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. All of creation except one thing had been created. Everything was done but one thing. And all of creation really needed that one thing. So God created woman. And when Adam saw her, he exhales this sigh of relief. Him and the rest of creation looked everywhere. And I think Adam didn't just speak for himself, though I'm sure he did speak for himself. 
I think he spoke for all of creation. Finally. At last. The one we've all been looking for. Before she ever said anything, before she ever did anything, she was valuable. She was needed because only she was woman. As we kind of get close to the end of our time, I want to talk about two unique things I want to celebrate about woman today. Two unique things that God has put in woman. Two revelations of who God is that he has uniquely displayed to all of creation through woman. Because you, you know that, right? Like, you, you getting it, ladies? Like, y'all carry something nobody else carries. You carry a piece of God, a picture of God that all of creation needs just because you are a woman. And there's two, I want to talk about two of the things. I'm not saying this is the complete list. Don't, don't. Say, oh, there's two? How many do men have? Because <laughs> that's not what this is about, right? This is a celebration. This isn't about, oh, so therefore one's better. We're celebrating. Two revelations of who God is that he uniquely displays to all of creation through woman. Number one, God is faithful to finish what he starts. <laughs> the plan was always to create both male and female. And in the gap between everything else being created and woman being created, all of creation felt the need for that one last specific unique piece of the puzzle. Everything but woman is made and God observes about creation, yep, the whole isn't complete yet. I was right as usual. I need to create, create female. Because God knows half of the whole is no good. Have you ever noticed how a woman just makes things better? Like, this is basically our theology behind the touch of a woman, basically. You know, like everything needs a woman's touch. Like, see, it's right in the Bible. This, this is it right here. Like, it just, like, I know it doesn't sound real spiritual. I'm just saying it's more of an observation that, like, we can laugh about it, and it can sound cliche, but it's cliche because it's true. Like, everything's better when there's a woman around or involved. Like, I'm not saying women are better than men. I'm just saying women make things better. Like, that's just what you do. Like, you walk in the room. It's better. You're involved in the planning of something. It's better. You're involved in the whatever of something. Like, if you, 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 just, you just make it better when you're around. And that's because God made you to make things better just by being you. God wanted to make everything better, so he made you. Not you to do something, just you to be you. So Genesis 2.18 is our theology behind the touch of a woman. Like a, a woman shows us that God follows through. That's why it's so awesome when a woman shows up. Like when you're discouraged about something, you, if you need hope about something, like if you need hope that God is gonna come through, are you, if you're in the middle of something that you feel like God said he was gonna do, but you're not at the end yet and you know you need this thing to be finished, if you need God to do something in your life that only God can do, every time you see a woman, you need to remember that God is faithful to finish what needs to be finished the exact way it needs to be finished. Woman, you are all, individually and collectively, walking testimonies of the faithfulness of God, not to men, to men and women, and the rest of creation. Because you stand here breathing this morning, we all know God's gonna finish it. 
Whatever it is that I need, every single one of you is a unique testimony that God's gonna do what God said he would do. God's gonna do what only God can do. God's gonna do what needs to be done. Our God is good. Praise God for woman. <laughs> Number two, God is faithful to help when his people are in need. I know the kids are coming. Recognize it, and now we'll come back. We're almost done. Number two, God is faithful to help his people when his people are in need. That's the second thing that woman uniquely carries in a specific way as far as the character of God is concerned. You show every single one of us that God is faithful to help his people when his people are in need. Part of the image of God that humanity carries, humanity carries in female. And that part of the image is that God is faithful to always help his people in our time of need. He's faithful. So, so God's faithful to, to help in our time of need. So he put you know, roughly 4 billion plus physical manifestations and representations of his faithfulness in every single one of our lives. He covered the earth with the testimony of his faithfulness. And a reminder to all of us, both male and female, God sees you, God knows you, God provides for you, and God is present with you. That's what you carry. When you walk into a room, you shout to all of creation, God's good, God's faithful, God helps when you need something. And the reason I know it is not because I'm here, but because I'm here. The fact that I'm here is not, I'm not saying I'm the answer necessarily, though probably you are. Whatever given room you walk into, let's be honest, husband's in the room. You've started to learn, right? Anybody? Or is it just me that I've learned? Usually when my wife shows up, she's exactly who I needed to show up. All right, we're not going to go there, I guess. But we're just talking about the fact that, again, every time that you see a woman, God is shouting to your heart, I see you, I know you, I understand what you need, I provide for what you need, and I am present in the middle of your need. God is shouting through every single woman to all of creation that he is good. This is why you need a hug from your mom. This is why you need a hug from your wife. This is why you need a hug from your friend. It's not just a gesture that shows you that you're not alone, like you're not the only person around. It's that fact that God wired uniquely and specifically into that woman who's given you a hug, the ability to manifest the truth that God is near. You're an encounter with God <laughs> just because you are who you are. You're an encounter with God because God made you to be an encounter with him for all of creation. Woman, every, women, every time you walk into the room, you shout to the world that God is not far off. You shout to the world that God is near and you shout to the world that God will always do what only he can do. He will always accomplish for us the help that we need, not us men, us humans. He, God will provide what is needed the way that only he can provide it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being you specifically and thank you for being women. We need you. So as we close, I wanted to bring in as many of the kids and kids workers too to celebrate this because I just, women, we, you know, we usually we close with a song and all of that, but we're just gonna close by celebrating all the women in the room. Can we do that? So uh, women, if you're a woman in the room, I want you to stand up. And if you're not a woman in the room, I want you to go crazy for some of these ladies that are standing up right now. So go ahead and stand up. Come on, go crazy. Like that's like, 
You need these women. Come on, stand up, stand up, give them a round of applause, shout them down, tell them you love them. We love you. We love you so much. Stay standing, stay standing. We love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. Women, do you love the other women in the room? <laughs> Are there any men thankful for a handful of women, at least in this room? Any kiddos love your mom over there? Anybody, any kiddos thankful for mommy today? <laughs> Amazing. Hold on, stay standing. I just want you to know that we see you, we celebrate you, we honor you, and we need you. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for you because you are a woman and we need you. We need you to be the woman that you are. We need you to be the woman God's called you to be. We need you to be the woman God made. We need you. On behalf of all of creation, we just all look at you right now and say, finally, <laughs> you're what we need. So, man, I want you to go ahead and stand now and make sure that every woman has a hand on the shoulder. We're gonna pray and bless the women today, not just shout for them and scream. Make sure everybody's got a hand. It means you're gonna have to use both hands. Everybody, everybody, everybody get around. Every woman needs to have a male hand on the shoulder and be blessed and encouraged today. We good? All right. So uh, men, just go ahead and start praying. Just everybody all together, nobody's listening to you specifically, so just pray, just thank God for this, for this woman, thank God for women. Just bless them and to be who God's made them to be, Lord. We thank you so much for, for women. We thank you for these women specifically, God. We thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We bless them as women. We bless them to be who you have made them to be, not just as women, but even specifically as each individual woman. Though we bless them in Jesus' name. We ask for a filling of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Though we're asking for revelation from God about who it is that you've called them to be specifically so that all of creation might be blessed and see who you are. Though we thank you for every revelation that a woman has ever carried of you in our life. We thank you for every mother. We thank you for every friend. We thank you. For every wife, we thank you for every woman on the planet called and destined to be a revelation of the glory of God to the rest of creation. We bless them today in Jesus' name. Though we're asking God that you would make us cultural architects, even specifically in this regard, that we would celebrate differences, not just in male and female, but in all of us in general. Would we be people who see differences and celebrate and throw on honor and come under to empower? God, we're asking that you would raise up these women as men messengers of the gospel in this generation at this time, that we thank you that you would raise up every single one of them in their friend groups, in their classrooms, in their workplaces. Would you raise them up as influences of the kingdom of God? Lord, we need them. We need them to be what it is that you've called them to be. We celebrate them individually. We celebrate them generally, Lord, and we thank you for them. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody who's ever been thankful for a woman shouted, amen.